Welcome to Action Chapel International. We are one church in many locations worldwide. We are so excited that you took the time to join us today to feed on God's word and to enrich your spirit. We know that your life will never be the same. Now please join us for this powerful message. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. It's good to have you back in the house and to everyone streaming. Um, we're trusting that we'll be able to uh, arrest this technical situation with Dominion Television so we can get things back online. Uh, for the past couple of days, we've been offline uh, trying to find the solution. Uh, we're praying that we'll be able to demystify whatever this mystery is to fix this situation so we can be back on air. The African-American has a saying that ain't nobody angry by the devil. Whatever you see the enemy angry with you is an indication that you are closer to your breakthrough than ever before. When, when the devil is happy with you, it's an indication that you are finished. I'm telling you. But when you see the enemy angry with you, it's an indication that he has lost the battle. You have the upper hand. So what it does, what it does is, like one of our members gave us an acre of land in a very strategic part of the city, and after that he had a dream, and in the dream, somebody appeared to him and said, hey, so you brought Action Church here, and we'll see. And since then, there have been all kinds of contention and dispute over the land, and somebody is trying to even build on the land he gave us. Now, that is an attempt of the enemy to discourage him because the enemy has seen the blessing that will come out of that. So when you face such situations, what do you do? Do you quit? Do you give up? Do you change your mind? Or you stand your ground? If you stand your ground, and you don't quit, you have the upper hand. Yeah. It's like a woman in travail. A woman in travail, you are so close to having your baby after nine months of suffering, and all you got to do is to push. At the point of pushing, you can also say, I'm tired, and give up and lose the baby. But I declare that you will not give up. I declare that you will not quit. The Bible says, if you don't faint, you will reap. So the plans of the enemy is to attack you and get you to be discouraged, get you to faint. And as soon as you faint, he has the upper hand. Because some of the things don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And whenever anything don't make sense, it's an indication that there is an enemy behind it. That is all. Because things must make sense. And, we can't, and when we can't make sense of things, it's just clear that somebody is upset. Somebody is angry. That is all it is. And if the enemy is upset with you, may I announce to you that you are in a good place. I'm telling you. Because I was talking to technical people, we've been offline almost one week now. Almost one week. Every other station is online but us. Then this morning, one of our cameras just blew up. Then the main system that takes the feed from the service online also just got broken. So we have to use another means to get online. 
So when they told me, I said, somebody is really upset. And it's also an indication that we are doing something right. Because if you are not doing something right, then somebody will not be upset with you. Can you put your hands there and give God the glory that you are in a good place? Yeah. You are in a good place. Tell somebody you are in a good place. Yeah, you are. You are in a good place. The reaction is an indication that you are in a good place. Number two, somebody that you are closer to your blessing than when you first believed, than when you first, closer. Yeah, that, that is the only sense I can make out of it. Because if you are not, if I'm not in a good place, then why? If I'm not upsetting you, then why are you troubling me? But the fact that you are angry and you're upset with me is an indication that I have the victory. I declare tonight, today, that we have the victory. I declare we have the victory in the name of Jesus, that we have the upper hand in the name of Jesus. Within the next 72 hours, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Jesus said the other day, these kinds of situations don't change except by fasting and by prayers. So I'm declaring an emergency prayer and fasting, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to override and to overchange the situations and the equations. Say yes. Let me, let me explain to you spiritually what it looks like. This is what it looks like spiritually. Seen with your spiritual eyes and not your natural eyes. So this is the picture. It's raining heavily, but it's not touching the people and it's not touching the ground, but it's raining. So you know what that means? It means that there is manipulation going on. There is a disconnect. So that you are in the mix of the blessing, but you are not being blessed. It's raining, but the land is barren because the rain and the water is not touching the ground. It's raining. You are in the mix of blessing, but everything is difficult. Everything seems to be a fight. Everything is complicated. Everything has some kind of dispute. Things that are so simple and easy to make, to come around and to make happen has become a fight. It means something is off. We need to bring things back into divine alignment, into divine order. And within these 72 hours, I declare, let there be divine alignments. Let there be divine alignments. Let things come back into order. Say yes. Say yes. Put your hands together and give God praise. Hallelujah. With our hands lifted up heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, let the Holy Spirit have his way among us. Let domestic and external enemies be grounded and be vanquished in the name of Jesus. Let embargoes be lifted. Let mysteries be demystified. Let there be permanent solutions. Let unresolved issues be resolved by the power of Jesus' name. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Put your hands together and give God praise. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thanks for coming. And for everyone tuning in by whatever means, it's good to have you 
in the service, please text your friends. Tell them the second service is on. I've been talking about the Holy Spirit for some time now. As well as since I started dealing with the topic on the Holy Spirit, there have been strange reactions and manifestations. And it looks like somebody wants me to talk about other subjects, but not to talk about the Holy Ghost. But we will talk about the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper in the name of Jesus. The Bible said that in the times past, under the Hebrew scriptures or under the Old Testament dispensation that God spoke through the prophets. But in the present, he has spoken through his son. And his son also declares to you and I that he has handed over the baton and the mantle to the Holy Spirit. So these are the days of the Holy Spirit. Say, these are the days of the Holy Spirit. And there is nothing that can replace the Holy Spirit. I thank God for systems and I thank God for innovation. I thank God for creativity and for skills and for planning. Thank God for billboards and thank God for all the things we do to beautify the house of God and all that. But none of those things can save a soul. None of them can rescue a soul. It is only the Holy Spirit who has the power to rescue and to save lives. And when we ignore him, we are in trouble. I saw a documentary on CNN concerning the state of the church in Europe. And they were showing so many empty buildings in Europe. You should see the beauty of those buildings. And it was empty. There was no one in those buildings. They've turned some of those buildings into nightclubs and into all kinds of centers. <clears throat> Why? Because when we stop depending on the Holy Spirit, when we ignore him, when we stop being led, when we stop being guided, when we stop being influenced and driven by the person of the Holy Spirit, and we decide to serve God on our terms and not on his terms, we drive the Holy Spirit out of the church. And when the Holy Ghost is out of the church, we are finished. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, 12, the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual forces of wickedness in high places. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't stand a chance. We don't run the church by committees. The church is not run by a democratic system. The church is run by the Holy Ghost. And he is the teacher. And the church cannot survive without the Holy Spirit. We need the fire of God. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to come back to the church. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way and realize that as much as systems and innovation and organization is critical, it cannot replace the Holy Spirit. There is no substitute, ladies and gentlemen, for the Holy Spirit. Jesus, for 30 years, waited for him to come. Kept saying for 30 years, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come until the Holy Spirit came. And he commanded us not to attempt to preach or to do anything in his name without the Holy Spirit. For it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I need the person of the Holy Spirit. This battle of life is a battle that no man wins 
on your own turn. We win it by his terms and on his terms. It's not a fight of flesh and blood. It is said and believed that no man or woman comes into this world and checks out of this world without a fight. Every man, every woman, irrespective of the color of your skin, your background, your upbringing, and where you come from, will have to fight something until the day you live this world. And to win that battle, you and I need the Holy Spirit to guide us. Let's begin our journey this morning. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. This was the first time God spoke concerning the number of our days or our year. He specifically placed the ceiling on 120 years. Which means that long life is possible. We can live 120 years. My grandmother wasn't born again and she died at the age of 109. And I've seen people live 100 years and more. We can live. 120 years is a possibility. Lift up your right hand. Say, I declare on authority that I will cross 70 and beyond with ease. I will cross 80 and beyond with ease. I will cross 90 and beyond with ease. I will cross 100 years and beyond with ease. By the grace of God, I will not die prematurely but live and declare the works of God in the land of the living. If you believe it, put your hands together and give God praise. So here, God is speaking and he's saying that my spirit is a gentle spirit. My spirit will not strive or be in conflict with man forever. That means the Holy Spirit is not going to try to convince you and force you to come into agreement or to operate on his terms. He's a gentle spirit. He will whisper. He will give us leads. He will guide us. But it's up to you and I to decide whether we want to live a life based on reasoning of man. Whether we want to live a life subjected to the logic of man or to the philosophies of man. Or we want to live our lives based on the wisdom of God by his spirit. It's a choice we have to make. Every day of our lives, we are faced with choices. It's a choice of doing it God's way or doing it man's way. And every one of those choices has implications. We face a choice every day to live by faith God's way or live by fear man's way. It's a choice left to you and I to choose. God is not going to impose his will on our will. We are not robots. He's given us the right to choose to choose good or to choose the wrong. And each one of those choices has implications. When we make a decision, it's a decision. When we don't take a decision, it's still a decision. So whatever we do in life, it's about choices we make. I pray today that the Holy Spirit will be our guide, that the Holy Spirit will enlighten us and will give us the capabilities to do right by God and by us for the sake of the next generation. Amen. Come with me to John the fourth the 14th chapter, the 16th to the 17th verse, John. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, 
and shall be in you. So number one, he's a comforter, write it down. And he's to be with us, to abide with us forever. Keep that also in mind. And, <clears throat> and that the world does not, the world does not know him and cannot receive him because they don't know him. <clears throat> so he's our comforter. He's the spirit of truth. He speaks the truth. He does not lie. He's not a lying spirit. He's the spirit of truth. He speaks truth to you and I. And then he's to abide with us and he's to be in us. Under the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon them and was with them, but it wasn't in them. In the New Testament dispensation, the Holy Spirit is in us, on us, with us. Amen. So we thank God for that. <clears throat> Look at John 14, 26. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So he's a comforter, he's a teacher, and he's one that brings to our remembrance the things we need to know of, the things we need to know of. He reminds us of things that are critical in any given time of our life. There are so many times that I face situation and I'm praying and I don't know how to pray and what scripture is relevant for that particular occasion, but the Holy Spirit brings to my remembrance a particular or a specific scripture or promise in the Bible that I need to address the situation. Say, I hear you. So he brings to our remembrance things that we must know. Number three, please also understand that he doesn't just bring things to our remembrance, but he can erase memories. He can erase events and anything that causes us pain. So I call it divine editing. There are people who say things like, I will forgive, but I will never forget what you've done to me. Forgiveness and forgetting goes together. But without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for any human being to forgive and forget. Because to forgive, to forget is divine. Unforgiveness is carnal. Unforgiveness is common but to forgive and to forget is uncommon i want to do the uncommon thing i don't want to do what everybody does but to be able to forgive and forget we need the holy spirit without him we can't do it and the reason why we need divine editing is because as long as you remember what people have done to offend you and to hurt you the pain will always come up and the bible said a wounded spirit who can bear so long as the pain keeps coming up, when you remember the situation and you feel the pain, it becomes difficult to forgive, to forget, and to let go. And if you can't forgive and let go, you will not age well in this life. You will not be a very happy person. You'll be a very critical person. You'll be critical of everything and of everyone. You'll be a very bitter person, always complaining always having issues with everything and with everyone. And if the enemy knows that you are that type that reacts to things you hear and see, he will always make you hear and see things that you don't like to always keep you on the edge. And when you do that, you will never be a happy person in this life. And you will not attract happiness because you see, you get what you give. And if you want love, you got to give love. If you want mercy, 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you want mercy, you got to give mercy. You can't obtain mercy when you don't give mercy. You can't receive forgiveness or pardon if you don't pardon and forgive others. These are principles of God's word. And these are doctrines and principles that are eternal. You want to be happy, show others and make others happy. Whatever you expect of others to be done to you, do the same to others. Treat people's children well and right. Be fair to people. Don't be greedy. Don't try to make money overnight. Don't kill. You don't kill only when you shoot people, but you kill when you take advantage of people. Somebody said to me the other day, he said, how come when people get power and they get money and fame, they change? And I said, I don't believe that power and money and fame changes people. It doesn't. What people become when they get power or when they come into money and fame was always in them. But money, power and fame is designed to reveal, to bring to bear, to amplify or to show you what is in your heart and who you are. You never know who people are. I have some few regrets in life. One of my regrets in life was the fact that I married very young when I was immature, at the age of 23 going 24 and didn't listen to my father, you know, and I realized years later that marriage is more than love. Marriage is more than romance. Marriage is more than looks. Because you see, you can look good and you can have good romance and that doesn't guarantee the longevity of the marriage. Because in the book of John, the fourth chapter, there was a woman. <clears throat> she married five times. She had the beauty, she had the charm, she had the romance to arrest and capture men, but she didn't have the character to maintain the men. She will get the men, after a little while, she loses them. Well, you know what the problem was? The problem was lack of understanding and maturity. And I don't encourage anyone to marry who is not mature. Because when you are not mature, you lack understanding. And when you lack understanding, you build on misunderstanding. And when you build on misunderstanding, whatever you build will not stand the test of time. Because the lack, the lack of understanding is misunderstanding. You can quote all the scriptures in this world and say the two shall be one. What God has put together, let no man put asunder. But how about if you put it together? And how about if the devil put it together? How about if it was romance or charm or beauty that put it together, but not God? So we have to be careful how we quote scriptures and how we throw scriptures at people. And the Bible said, if the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? So you can be righteous and holy. And if your foundation about marriage, business, relationship is wrong, nothing you do about that situation will change or work. Why? Because you, you have built on a wrong foundation. And what is your foundation? Misunderstanding. Lack of understanding. And hear me, the lack of understanding of anything results into abuse. When you don't understand a thing, it results into abuse. Please see if they can do something about power, please. The air condition, please. So it's very, very critical that you understand and I understand that in all of our ways, we need understanding because it is understanding that determines one's level of maturity. When I was young, 
I acted as a kid. I react to too many things. These days, I have learned to hold my peace. I don't react to too many things because God does not react. God responds. He doesn't react. When you respond, when you respond, it means that you have taken time to analyze the situation, to make due diligence, to think through the situation, and then to skillfully, wisely, intelligently manage the situation. It's all about how you manage it. But that comes with understanding. So understanding brings maturity. When you lack understanding, you react. And when you react, it means you lack what it takes to handle the situation. I don't like people who react. One of the regrets I've had in life is I help a lot of people that I shouldn't have helped. And I, I came to the conclusion that I was impressed by their gift, their anointing or skill or capacity, but I didn't check their character. And you see, charisma and a gift, anointing can take you somewhere, but it takes character to keep you there. A lot of people who had money before and lost it, they lost it because they knew how to get money, but they hadn't developed the skill and the understanding required to contain, maintain, or increase that money. So people get money and they lose it. I've seen people in my churches all over, as soon as they come into some big contract and deal, the first thing they do is to buy a new car. As soon as you do that, it's very clear to me that you are an amateur, you don't have what it takes to have money. And pretty soon, whatever money you have, you lose it. Because money is not for spending, it's for investment. And if the government gives you money to do a project, and you use that money to buy a new car, or to buy first class ticket on Emirates, and you go to Dubai, and check into a beautiful, expensive hotel, it's very clear to me that you don't understand. You don't understand the use and the importance of money. So it's just a matter of time that money will leave you because you don't know the value and the importance of money. You don't use money to buy a new car. And especially if the money is given to you for a project, you don't use it to buy a car or to improve on your status or living, you invest that money into the project and the profit that comes of, out of that money, you use it for whatever you please, but you don't touch that money. So it's about understanding. So there are so many people today who are very, very gifted people, very anointed, has capacity, but I look at them and I don't pay attention and I, I ignore them. I go past them. Why? Because I'm not just judging their abilities. I'm not looking at their gifts or anointing or how sharp they are in the spirit. I'm looking at their character because your character defines you. And God does not commit to anointing. God does not commit to capacity or potential. God does not commit to skill. Neither does he commit to anointing. But God commits to faithfulness. And faithfulness is a product of character. The Bible says, seek among you men who have a faithful spirit of faithful men. And to them commit. 
So inheritance, inheritance is committed to faithful people. Not smart, not intelligent, not skillful, but faithful people. Character. Come with me, please, to Romans, the eighth chapter and the 14th verse. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you look at the original script, in the original script, this is how it reads. For as many as are governed, and for as many as are controlled, and for as many as are guided, and for as many as are led by the Holy Spirit, are the mature sons and daughters of God. It takes maturity for one to be guided, led, governed, and controlled by the Holy Spirit. When you have come of age, you will stop living by your feelings, by your emotions, and by your reasoning. And you come to a place of total and absolute surrender to God and to serve God at His terms, not on your terms. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't serve God on our terms. We serve Him on His terms. And to serve God on His terms is a daily crucifixion a daily self-denial where you are stripped of ego, stripped of pride, stripped of self, where you don't mean anything, where you become nothing anymore, full of God, empty of self. Until we are empty of self, we'll always be hurt, we'll always be offended, we'll always be bitter, we'll always be emotional, we'll always have issues with people, I have learned that even my biological children, I cannot convict my biological children and of my spiritual children of wrongdoing. I have to trust the Holy Spirit to do that job because I am not the personal Holy Spirit of anybody. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. Not the preacher, not the bishop, not the cardinal, not the archbishop, not the Pope, but the Holy Spirit. And none of us can play the Holy Spirit in the lives of our children, our wife, or our husbands. If women realize this, they will stop talking and save their energy. You need to realize that there are things you may not like and you don't like in this life. That there is nothing you can do about it but to let God deal with it. And if you try to fix it, you will just frustrate your life, waste energy and time talking about issues you can't fix. There are so many things I don't like that I've come to the conclusion that when I can't fix something and I can't do anything about a situation and I can't make sense of it, I hand it over to God. And I say, Lord, Father, this situation is in your hands. I take my hands off. It's in your hands. And let me tell you something. God may not come when you want him to come. He may not do it on your terms. He may not do it when you want him to do it. But he does it in his terms. In his own way. At his own time. And when he does it, he does it better than you and I can do it. Come on somebody. Put your hands together and give him praise. Hear me. God is a better surgeon, 
skillfully wise surgeon. He can go in there and remove the tumor and you will come out of surgery as if nothing has happened to you. But God has removed the tumor and there is no sore or any pain. If you forcefully try to do it on your own, in moving that tumor, you will touch things you shouldn't touch and create complication. I pray that you will realize that the God you and I serve, he's wiser than you and I. And if we will realize that God is wiser than us and stop trying to use this little peanut small mind of us to fix issue we can't make sense of and begin to surrender and come to terms with this fact that in life there are things you will never be able to make sense of until the day you die. And the time comes in all of our lives irrespective of our background, the color of our skin, upbringing of who we are, that we need to come to terms with this one thing, that what I can't fix, what I can't do anything about and make sense of, is in your hands, Father. It's in your hands, Lord. And I look up to you, and I know that you will not fail me, because God never fails. Put your hands together and thank him. Look at John chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. John 16, 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You, you see what he does? It's his job. It's the job of the Holy Spirit. To reprove means to convict people of judgment, of sin, and of righteousness. I was speaking to an old friend of mine many years ago, and I said, why don't you come to church this Sunday? And we will go back many years. So he calls me Nick. He said, Nick, can I be honest with you? And I said, yes. He said, you know, I'm still doing the booze, you know. So that day night, I go out there and I do my own thing. And I don't want to come to church, you know, with the fuse and everything, smoking and all. I want to clean up before I come. And I said, no, 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 no. You will never be able to clean up before you come. I said, the devil will make sure that you don't stop this lifestyle. And I said, you cannot stop it. So I said, come just as you are. He said, am I okay to come this way? I said, yes, 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 yes. And he said, but I let the thing will be smelling. I said, people don't care. Just come the way you are. I said, even if you like, I'll give you a chair next to me when I'm preaching. You can sit there, I don't mind. And he said, are you sure? I said, yes. And he came, and he loved it, and he stayed. Listen, you cannot clean the fish until you catch it out of the water. And some of us, what we want to do, the fish is in the water. You haven't caught the fish, and you are trying to clean it. You can't do it. You can't change people. Somebody who drinks knows he's a drunkard. Somebody struggling with alcohol, women, with nicotine, they know they have a problem. So telling somebody that, do you know you have a problem? You are not helping the person because the person knows he has a problem. But if we can show them the alternative, the way out of it, then you are helping them. So this thing of hitting people, hitting people, you are a sinner, you are a sinner, you are a sinner, that does not help people 
we are not the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts. Even our own biological children, we cannot change them. We can't. If you try to, they will resent you, dislike you, rebel against you. Why? You are not the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. Say, I hear you. You know, sometimes people will come and say, Papa, Papa, you have to talk to these young girls. The way they dress when they come to church, they are showing too many things. You have to address it. And I said, it is not in the Bible. I'm not preaching what women wear. That is not part of my preaching. So let the elderly women in the church call them and talk to them. I'm not going to spend time people came to hear the word of God to be telling women how they should dress and how they shouldn't dress. It's not part of my preaching. And how come you can see certain parts of their bodies? What are you looking at? Did you come to look at Jesus to hear the word of God or you came to see how women are dressing? How come you are the only one seeing something others are not seeing? So the part of the matter is that if we are not careful, we'll begin to be preaching things that are not in the Bible. Let's preach the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit convict people. Stop trying to play God. Stop trying to play the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. Put your hands together and give God praise. Now, I want to talk to you for some few minutes quickly about some of the things the Holy Spirit dislikes and some of the things we do to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, but he's a person without body. He's a disembodied spirit. He has feelings. He can feel like you and I. And we can hurt him. We can grieve him. And that is the problem with the church. If we are not conscious of the Holy Spirit and his presence in the church, we can drive him out. And when we drive him out, it doesn't matter how organized we become, how good our choir and our systems may be, it's just a matter of time. That is what has happened to the churches in Europe. It's empty. The young men and women don't want to go to church because the church is not relevant anymore. Our preaching, our messages, and everything about us is without the touch of the Holy Spirit. And when he's out, we become university lecturers. I don't want to be a lecturer. I want to speak as the oracle of God. I want to speak by the inspiration of the Almighty. Put your hands together and thank God for that. Hallelujah. Come with me, please. Come with me to a very important scripture. Let's look at Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the fourth verse, the 30th and the 31st verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 and 31. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness. Stop here. He said, grieve not the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Grieve not means don't offend him. Don't make him sad. Don't sadden his heart. The Holy Spirit has feelings. And he shows up some of the things that saddens the Holy Spirit. And so you can grieve the Spirit. God willing, next week we want to talk about quench not the Spirit. It's one thing to grieve him. It's another thing to quench him. And if we don't understand these principles in our dealings with the Holy Spirit, we can grieve him and eventually quench him and be in the church without the Spirit and we'll run into serious problems. I pray that there will never come a day and a time in the history of this church and house where this house will become empty and where this house will be packed with people 
but without the Holy Spirit. Oh, that that day will never come. That the Holy Spirit will always have his way in this house. That the Holy Spirit will always be Lord among us. Say amen. So he talks about bitterness. Look at it, number one, bitterness. It's a little bitterness. All bitterness. Uh -huh. And wrath. And wrath. anger. Vengeance. And wrath. anger. Uh -huh. And clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So the first thing here that grieves the Holy Spirit is bitterness. There are people who can never forgive and forget. They are bitter. They are always talking about what happened 10 years ago. There are husbands always reminding their wives of the food without salt the other day. And there are wives who will always remember and remind their husbands of what they did wrong to them. They never let go. There are parents, friends, loved ones, siblings, divisions in families. And one will say, I can never forgive you. Another will say, I will never forget what you've done to me. If you are that kind of a person, you grieve the Holy Spirit. He can't coexist with you. You are grieving him. He expects better than you from you. So he talks about bitterness. Look at Hebrews 12. 14 and 15. Bitterness. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Uh -huh. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. You see so when you fail from grace when you are one that expects of people something that they can't do without grace. Hear me, this race and this walk is all about grace. And when you get to a place and you become legalistic, legalistic, and think that everybody must live their lives in a particular way, you are falling out of grace. And the trouble here is when you get out of grace or when you fall short of grace, the root of bitterness, you become bitter. Complaining about everything, have issues with everything, have issues with everybody. And when you are a bitter person, you are an unhappy person. You will never know happy times and happy moments in life because your whole judgment in life is clouded by bitterness. And these are some of the things that grieves the Holy Spirit. And when you are a bitter person, you go out of your way to hurt others. You hurt people. When you're an unhappy person, you make others unhappy. When you're a happy person, you make people happy. I was telling them in the first service, I have this guy who knows everything that goes on in this country. He knows the secret things in the chambers of people. And whenever he can say, Papa, Papa, you need to know. And I say, so what's going on? And then he begins to download. He say, Papa, Papa, there are things happening. As for you, Papa, you should know things. Archbishop, you can't be ignorant. You, you must know what is going on. By the time he finished talking to me, my heart is beating. I'm having palpitations. I'm confused. So I start making calls. Tell him what's going on. I, I hear this. I hear that. And he said, Papa, it's not true. It's not true. And I realized that I was sinning. And you know how I was sinning? I was developing an itching ear. And I wanted to hear what is new and what's going on in town. And the Bible said, to him that hears shall more be given. 
So the more I wanted to hear and know what's going on to have information, he was giving me more information. But the more information were all wrong. So it was troubling me. Sometimes I couldn't sleep. I would be sweating in an air condition. Hey, Papa, you should know what is happening. So I decided to block him. Yeah, I decided to block him. And uh, anytime he calls and say, I'm very busy. Can we meet another time? And I think he's gotten the message that I don't really want to see him. Because anytime he speaks to me, by the time he leaves, I'm some way ambassador. So you have to be very careful that you don't develop itching ears in the name of you have information. Because there are people like that. They always have information about what's going on. And if you are the type who wants to hear things, you will always be troubled. Let's look at the next point. Bitterness, wrath, or rage. Rage or wrath here stands for vengeance. Vengeance. People who will go out of their way to settle scores with people. They will do anything to make sure you don't go unpunished. They will deal with you until the day you forget the day you were born and you forget your father's name and your mother's name and your date of birth. But the Bible said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, said the Lord. You know, I have seen God settles matters for me better than myself. When God deals, a bishop called me the other day. He said, Papa, have you heard from social and so? I said, no, very long time. He said, Papa, something is going on. And I said, what? When he told me what was happening to the guy, I screamed on the phone. I said, mercy, mercy, mercy. You know why? Because of what that guy did to me, and I left it to God. I have even forgotten about him. God did not let it go. God has dealt with him. And when I hear, when I heard what was happening to him, I had to cry and say, mercy, mercy, Lord. If you leave it to God, he will handle it better than you will. I'm telling you. But you see, the thing about you and I is we are human. I was talking to a president friend of mine years ago, and he said, what he likes about the dark side is that those people, they act immediately. God takes too much time. So I said, Mr. President, God is slow to anger. But when he acts, he does better than the backside and the dark side. Amen? So he said, you know, I like dealing with them because they, they operate quick, fast. But God is a just God. He takes a lot of things into consideration before he acts. Say, I hear you. Come on, talk to me. Say, I hear you. Romans, vengeance is mine. Let's look at Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, mm -hmm. but rather give place unto wrath, unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He said, don't avenge yourself. Don't explain yourself. You know, I've been in situations in life when I've been misrepresented several times. And sometimes I'm in a situation where I can correct the error by saying one or two things. I can straighten it up immediately. And the Lord will say, don't say anything. Let me handle it. And then I'll say in myself, Lord, you, you live in eternity. I live in time. You say I shouldn't handle it. You, when are you going to handle it? You know I'm hurting. This thing is not right. I'm being misrepresented. 
this is character assassination. And you are saying you will handle it. When are you going to handle it? If you don't handle it, me, I'll talk. I'll explain myself. And the Lord will say, if you explain yourself, you on your own. I'm out. But if you don't want to be on your own, and you want me to handle it, then don't say anything. Keep quiet. Then when I leave and I'm coming home, I'll talk to you on the phone. I said, I just left the old man playing. They said, Papa, did you explain yourself? And I said, no. He said, Papa, Papa, you have such opportunity. You should have just laid bare. And I said, the Lord said, if I talk, I'm on my own. Hear me. Do you know why some people find it difficult to come to churches like action? Because of the preaching we preach here. Because you see, some of this preaching don't make sense to intelligent people. One, it is in my power to correct a problem. And the Lord is saying, don't explain yourself because when you explain, you are losing. So say nothing. Don't avenge yourself. Means don't defend yourself. Don't explain yourself. Let me fix it. And when I fix it, I will fix it because I am, I am an expert surgeon. I will cut the tumor out and there will be no bleeding. There will be no hemorrhaging. And yet my flesh, my flesh, somebody say chuku chuku, my flesh is choking me. And, and, and I say, God, I'm hurting. Don't you see what they are doing to me? I can just explain this thing and I'll end this matter today. No, it's over. And the Lord said, don't say a word. Let me handle it. If anybody tells you that spirituality is easy, they fooled you. Spirituality is not easy. That's why a lot of people are carnal and are not spiritual. If somebody tells you that being rich is easy, it's a lie. Being rich or being wealthy is tough. It's difficult. That's why you don't find everybody wealthy and rich. It's easy to be poor. But it's not easy to be wealthy. To be wealthy is hard work. You know why a lot of marriages are not working? Because marriage is work. Marriage is not feelings. Marriage is not romance. Marriage is not looks. Marriage is not chemistry. Marriage is not beauty. Marriage is not money. Marriage is work. Somebody say work. And if one party is willing to work and the other party is not willing to work, it will not work. So stop quoting the Bible, throwing scriptures at me. The Bible says two shall be one. What God has put together, let no man put asunder. And you refuse to do what the Bible expects of you and you expect me to play my part, but you won't play your part and you still want the marriage to work. Stop playing with my intelligence. Amen. I saw one of my spiritual daughters the other day. She was cute, beautiful, looking so trim before she married. Few years after the marriage, I saw her, I couldn't recognize her. I said, girl, what happened to you? She said, Papa, Papa, the stress and chocolate. I said, hey, your husband is not an old man. So stop this stress and chocolate. Get yourself together. I command you in the name of Jesus. Get in shape right now. Stop that chocolate in the name of Jesus. Throw away the stress in the name of Jesus. Get yourself together again. I said, your husband 
He's not an angel. He's not a spirit. He has eyes. He can see. And I said, hey, girl, look at the market. It's not easy. These young girls coming today, they are very sophisticated. Though. Yeah. I said, your husband is a hot cake on the market. So don't think that you've gotten him. He's put the ring on your hand. So you can act anywhere. And then he doesn't see. I say he can see. So I command you the next time I say, I don't want to see you in the next six months. And when I see you, I want you giving me that look you used to have before. Until then, don't come and see me. Whatever he saw, when he saw you and gave up everybody for you, maintain it. You can look at me any way you want to look at me. I'm just trying to help you. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Amen. All right. Anger. 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 Anger lies in the bosom of fools. Moses was a great leader and a great seer, but didn't enter the promised land because of anger. Anger can rob you. Anger can strip you. Anger can deny you. Don't say, as for me, that is the way I am. I can't change. Who told you? Don't let anger destroy you. It will destroy you. I'll show you something. Come with me. To the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Uh-huh. It rests in the bosoms of fools. He says, so don't be in haste. Don't rush to be angry. For the anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You have no right to be angry. When you get angry, you are acting as if you are God. You are no God but man. So be careful. Avoid the things that makes you angry. Avoid them. Amen. Amen. Clamor or brawling. Again, clamor or brawling, quarrelsome spirit. You know, this word here deals with litigants. 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 You love litigations. There are people like that. I walk away from them. I have siblings like that. I have 43 brothers and sisters. Yeah. My mother had six, my father had 37. Congratulations, no. <laughs> I, have, I have four biological children and I'm trying to figure it out. I don't, I don't know how to deal with it. I haven't been a father before, this is my first time. And those children, my God, my God, can drive you crazy and sometimes you say, what did I do wrong? Amen. So, there are people in families, they are litigants. They fight, they are in competition, in conflict with everybody. If you are that kind, you grieve the Holy Spirit. It will be difficult for you to be a spiritual person if you are that kind. Bail, bail. Where? 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 Please stop it. Hey, who named me? Hey, Ajua. Hey, who's this? Me, the engineer. What did you mean? Me show. 
you can't do shelling. Stop it. Litigants argue over everything. Don't be like that. The Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. He's kind, temperance, understanding, peaceful. Let me give you one more. I'll finish because of time. Evil speaking or slander. Evil speaking or slander. This has to do with people. They never speak good of anybody but themselves. Anytime you hear them, they are saying something bad about somebody. Everybody is bad. They are the only good human beings on earth. Then they can eat with you, laugh with you. As soon as you turn your back, they are stabbing you. They are speaking evil and ill of you. Yeah. They are human beings like that. If you are that kind, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. If you are that kind, you will never have a place in history. If you are that kind, you never make a difference in the life of others. If you are that kind, you never gather. If you are that kind, you will scatter, you will tear down and destroy. Please be one that builds, not one that tears down. Please speak good of others. See the good in others. Everybody has their good side and their bad side. Dwell on the good that is in people and not on the bad. You have your good. You have your bad side. Stop. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're embarking on a three-day fast to address some of these blockades and frustrations and delays. There are people among you who are so close to major turnaround and breakthroughs at the marketplace, but everything has become a fight. It's like there is contention, dispute, complication over everything. Thing that could have happened over a day, just one day, a month, a week, has become a forever battle. It's like you pass here something blocked. You pass here something blocked. Every step you take, there is a fight, a contention. Whatever is responsible for that, in the name of Jesus. We ground it in the name of Jesus. Say, I ground it in the name of Jesus. I told you about some of the challenges we've been having with our television station. Every network is online but us. It means that we are doing something right. Tell somebody we are doing something right. Whenever the enemy is upset with you, whenever you see frustration, whenever you have a project you are embarking on and there is contention, dispute and fight around the project, it means that that project has potential to do good. It means that it carries something good and something wants to stop it. But throughout this fast from tomorrow, whatever project and vision you have on the table shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. Anybody blocking you shall be overridden in the name of Jesus. Say yes. Say yes. Don't get discouraged when you face opposition or resistance. It's an indication you are going somewhere. The devil don't spend his time fighting people who are not going anywhere. Whenever you see the devil knocking at your door, it's an indication that he knows you are going somewhere. You will not be stopped. 
Say, I cannot be stopped. Say, I am unstoppable. Say, I will see this project through to the end. In the name of Jesus. Say, I will not be sabotaged. I will not be circumvented. I will not be denied. In the name of Jesus. Say, I will not miscarry. Say, my destiny will not be aborted. Say, I will come through. In the name of Jesus. Say, God will deliver for me. This time around, I will not, in the name of Jesus, be denied. I will not be disadvantaged in the land of the living anymore. In the name of Jesus, declare that prayer right now. Declare it right now. I will not be circumvented. I will not be denied. I will not miscarry. I will not miss it. Not this time around. In the name of Jesus, I will see the victory in the land of the living. I have the victory. I have the upper hand. In the name of Jesus, lift up your hands. Say, I declare on authority in the name of Jesus that I will have the victory. That I have the victory. I have the upper hand over every and over all reactions from the camp of the enemy in the name of Jesus I declare it right now declare it right now declare it right now I have the victory I have the upper hand I prevail I have the answer I have the solution now my time is up Hear me, my time is up quickly. As we embark on this fast, Jesus said, this kind goeth not out except by fasting and prayers. Fasting and prayers gives one divine capabilities to override what is working behind the scenes what is operating at the back end. When you watch a movie, the people acting in the movie are not the one that really matters. The one that matters is the one that wrote the script and the one directing the script. Any script that has been written about us and anyone directing those scripts to enforce it, to cause frustration in your life, to abort your purpose, to attempt to manipulate things, let it be intercepted in the name of Jesus. Say, I intercept it right now. Intercept it in the name of Jesus. Okay, let me show you a scripture and I'll close. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25 and 26. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25 and 26. And he shall speak. Please give us the English standard version. English standard version, please. Yeah. He shall speak words against the most high. Yeah. And shall wear out the saints of the most high. You see, this word, this is one of the reasons why we must fast and pray. This word wear out means a lot. It means to faint. It means to be discouraged. It means to quit. It means to throw in the towel. 
It means to give up. It means frustration. And the Bible said, if you faint not, you shall reap. And so what the enemy wants to do is to get you and I, because he can't stop us, he wants you to stop yourself. Because he can't curse us, he wants us to curse ourselves through frustration. So we know that you were blessed by that message, and we look forward to sharing God's word with you once again. For more information on this and many other Action Chapel International products and messages, you may visit our Dominion Bookshop located on the premises of Action Chapel, Spintex Road. Or you may call our offices on 030-701-1851. Or you may also visit us online at www.actionchapel.net. Once again, thank you for joining us today. And may your life continue to be changed in God's presence.